Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by the Greg Wallace to my Ross Wallace. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Thoroughly enjoyed the Twitter content on that over the past couple of days. <laughs> Do you want to know something I didn't enjoy, Justin? It really gave me a heart attack over this oh, bit wow. of news that I found out. It must have been serious. Yeah, go on, tell me. It was very serious, actually. I read this week that Nestle has stopped making Yorkie bars. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. So I was fuming when I found this out. However, however, Justin, don't fear. It's just the Yorkie biscuit bars, not the actual Yorkies. So Why would they say that? Yeah. It, get, it gave me a mild heart attack when I saw it. Um, but for a brief moment, I was absolutely fuming. And I think understandably. Yeah, I had a Yorkie bar literally yesterday. Where would you rank Yorkies on the chocolate tears? Would you, would you put them literally in the top tier? I think I would. Um, don't get me wrong. It's a very subjective thing. I love a, I love a Malteser, for example. It depends what mood I'm in. But I'll be honest with you. I think a Yorkie bar just hits every time. Oh, yeah. Because I've, I've got to fancy a Galaxy. I've got to fancy a Malteser. Sometimes Malteser is too crunchy. And if I'm not in the mood for it, I can just go for the pure chocolate of a Yorkie bar. So I think a Yorkie bar does hit every time. So I personally would put it in the top tier. Yeah. Well, we don't agree on much, Justin, but that's one thing we can agree mm. on. Yorkie bars are top tier. Anyway, welcome to the number one championship podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are, as you've probably guessed by the title of this episode. This is a Q&A. So we've compiled a list of your questions on X, formerly known as Twitter. And we're going to answer some of them right now, but it's not just that that we're going to be doing on the show, ladies and gentlemen, today. We're also going to be talking about the future of Yondal Thomason at Blackburn because there's been an interesting development with that and it may still be developing as the days go on. Um, and a couple of other bits in the news as well from the championship. So let's kick things off, Justin, with this question, which is from CCFCTM, <laughs> which manager has surprised you the most so far this season in a good or bad way? Um, Justin, who, who was the first person you thought of when you thought in the in the good way? In a good way, I'd say Enzo Maresca. I'll be honest, I, I think Enzo Maresca has really surprised me and it's easy to get drawn in. I think the reason why it's easy to get drawn in by the hype of Pep Guardiola's assistant treble winning season but my approach to uh, his appointment in the summer is one of a pragmatic one, one and one uh, of you know err on the side of caution, because assistants don't always make the grade, do they? The examples that are popping into my head are Mike Phelan, who was assistant to Sir Alex Ferguson at Manchester United, a very successful period in their history. Mike Phelan was doing the coaching, as as we, as we all know. Craig Shakespeare um, of Leicester, Steve Wigley at Southampton, John Carver as well. These are good coaches in their own right, but they never made the grade 
as a manager. Mm. So as I say, there's a long line of assistants making their own way and ultimately failing as, as, as a full-time boss. So for Maresca to come into Leicester, manager transition, he's not done that before. That's a big thing as well. He's managed a pretty significant transition. They were conceding a lot of goals in the, in the Premier League. A lot of senior players left, James Madison left. And he's instilled a completely different mindset to the one that was under Brendan Rodgers, i.e. leaking goals. He's come in and dominated the league with a good side, no less. I just think it's remarkable. So that surprised yeah. me. Yeah, it is remarkable, Justin. The only issue is his football is so boring. Oh, he's so um, boring. So, so boring. Boo. boo. Boo, Enzo, boo. God, <laughs> it's surprising how boring his football is, you know, with the top scorers in the league. Um, I, I am slightly different to you. I think I've been surprised by how well Maresca has done because I think I expected Leicester to still win the league, even with Maresca having a pretty short CV, but I didn't expect him to win the league as well as they are doing because it's Mm -hmm. been, you know, a record-breaking season is how it's looking like it's going to be. And, I mean, it has broken some records already, I suppose. But I didn't expect him to do as well as this. I still expected him to do pretty damn well, though. Um, For me, who surprised me the most, I don't think anyone's particularly, you know, shocked me. I was looking at Harold Bullets, Danny Rule, Marty Sifuentes. I think they've somewhat surprised me, but that's mainly because I didn't know how they would do. Because I think what they've a, done well. And what about Big Val at Watford? No, I think Val's I, is just, it surprising that he's still there? It's surprising that he's still there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's really surprised me though with how he's doing. I think he's just doing exactly how I expected Watford to be, really. Just hitting mm. the median, really. But the, the three I mentioned before have done well, but that I, I didn't really have like a, a set expectation for them, I suppose. Um, I was going to make an argument for, and this is going to make you roll your eyes, Justin, Kieran McKenna, but <laughs> that, that's only because um, I, I thought that, you, you know, I tipped Leicester as an automatic promotion contender at the start of the season. And you, even though you've had your doubts over them in recent weeks, you still um, had them finishing third or fourth in your Mm -hmm. respective league table. But still, I think when we made those predictions, we were expecting Ipswich to be a bit busier in the transfer window. But they they weren't really in the end, were they? So I I think maybe you could make an argument for McKenna. But the one who I think has probably surprised me the most is Carlos Corbran. Because... You know, with Corbran, we knew he was a great manager anyway after the job he did at Huddersfield, of course, getting them into the playoff final and what have you. But I didn't expect him to have this West Brom team anywhere near the playoffs, let alone mm-hmm. sat in there looking like a good bet at this stage of the season. And that's mainly because the squad is weaker than last season, isn't it? And I mean, they've also had problems off the pitch with the absent owner and everything that goes along with that. However, He's proved himself to be an excellent manager who West Brom are lucky to have. And I think he's only gone up in my estimation even more this season, which is quite remarkable because he was already quite high in my estimation. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. It's a really good shout, Carlos Corbran, because well, we had them to finish 15th in our league, predi- league table predictions. And I think a lot of that was um, the outside noise that Corbran's having to contend with. There's a lot of, of things he's got to deal with at West Brom. So for him to be able to deliver... Um, consistent results, consistent performances because they've not been terrible at any point in the season. There have been a couple of poor results, but you're going to get that in the Championship because the Championship's a Championship. But for him to do what he's doing, i.e. keeping clean sheets, keeping opposition at bay, playing 
relatively comfortable. You know, it's not swashbuckling football, but it's it's comfortable, organised, disciplined, defensive football, and they've got quality to, to win games. I think is quite quite remarkable. For me, they're one of the the favourites to finish in the top six because I just see Colbrand as a massive asset to finishing in the top six. It's just very hard to see them losing too many games to fall out. But yeah, long long way to go yet. But it's judging on what we've got at our disposal so far, it's very hard to see him losing too many more games. Yeah. Well, it's his man management as well, turning around the careers yeah. of so many players who looked like they were, essentially their careers were just dying out of it, weren't they? I mean, Greg exactly. Dean Garner is a great example. Alex Mowat as well. He's just done a remarkable job this season, hasn't he? And if West Brom do finish in the playoffs, you know, that will be by large part down to Carlos Corbran, won't you? I don't want to put a percentage on it, but you're looking at a pretty high percentage, aren't you? Yeah. Let's move on yeah. to this question, Justin. This is from Ciderhead, and they ask, which club would you say is overdue a spell in the Premier League? Now, there was a club who I instantly thought of here, Justin. I'm interested to say if you say the same as me. Shall we, shall we say it at the same time? Have you got an answer for this? I, I, I've got a couple, but I'm going to okay. go with the one that I think you said as well. Okay. Three, two, one. Bristol Millwall. City. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Okay. okay. Well, I'll give you I'll give you my take, first of all. And yeah. The reason that I, I went with Bristol City in particular is because, of course, they had a good flirt with the playoffs a few years ago, but never actually made it in there. And that's as close as they've got. And that's despite spending a lot of money over the years, I was looking at transfer marks. They they reckon it's around seventy million since they got promoted from League One in twenty sixteen, and that includes three seasons where they barely spent anything. Unfortunately for them, it didn't result in any success because of the money not being spent well. First and foremost, other clubs spending even more than them, and maybe I'm being a bit cynical here, but hanging on to Lee Johnson for a bit too long. Um, but this is a club which has the foundations of a Premier League side because Ashton Gates, a brilliant stadium. They get 20,000 there every week. I'm led to believe the training ground is one of the best in the country. They've got an incredible academy, one of the most underrated ones in the country, in my opinion. So this is a club which really should have been in the top flight by now, but hasn't really actually got close despite having a good flirt with the playoffs over the years. They haven't actually at any point looked like, oh, Bristol City might actually get to the Premier League here. Mm. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I, well, other than the 2008 playoff final. Um, it depend, depending on how uh, far I'm you're talking, thinking. I'm talking, yeah, I'm talking since they got promoted in 2016, yeah, not yeah. that long ago. No, you, you are right to, to some extent. I don't think... Um, I, I mean, I, I've adopted a completely different psychology to this question. I, I, the way I've gone about it is you can either think about it as your typical big club, like like an Ipswich Town, for example, big home support, or a club who haven't ever been in it, or a club who have been knocking on a door. Um, but to go back to Bristol City before I move on to, to, to Millwall, I think Bristol City, you make some really good points. I mean, it's very hard to disagree with them. There's a really good infrastructure, and for all the bad spending the Lansdowns have have put into signings. Actually, the infrastructure at the football club probably one of the best in the championship. Ashton Gates had a completely, complete remodel. It's it's a very good ground. The only complaint I have with it is the fucking camera height. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, it's a very tidy ground. And you are right, the training ground is brand spanking new because I've driven past it probably about seven or eight times this year. So I can see that it's a, it's a very tidy ground. But as you say, they've never really convinced getting into that top six. So it's very hard to see that they are long overdue a spell in the Premier League. So if I throw it over to Millwall, 
I mean, they've never been in the Premier League and they have been probably more convincing in terms of knocking on the door than Bristol City have in, in recent seasons because obviously Guy Rowett has got them on the cusp of the top six and just managed to get them over the line. But how good would it see? How good would it be to see the likes of Erling Haaland, Virgil van Dijk, Mikel Arteta, all experiencing the, the new den, all experiencing Mill? How incredible would that be? Mikel Arteta is going absolutely bananas on the sideline, like he does. He's passionate. He's annoying, but he's passionate, and just the home support behind him giving him shit. How 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 humbling would that be for Premier League clubs? It, it would be great, wouldn't it? It would be absolutely great. You remember when um, there was the Arsenal... Oh, not Arsenal Till I Die. What's the Arsenal documentary called on Amazon? Oh, All or Nothing. All or Nothing, yeah. Not Arsenal Till I Die. I don't know. Well, it's obviously something Till I Die, what I was thinking of there. Um, but the reason I bring that up is, and this is much longer than it should be, considering it's just a, such a mute point. Um but you remember when Mikel Arteta was playing You'll Never Walk Alone because he wanted players to be used to the Anfield atmosphere. Maybe that's what he'd do with just speakers yeah. around the training yeah. pitch going, Mill! maybe it'd be something like that, but I'd love to see it. But I, I can see what you mean. I think um, I, I would love to see a club like Millwall in the Premier League. I mean, we're kind of seeing Luton in the Premier League now, and that's kind yeah. of the set the cut from the same kind of cloth, I suppose, aren't they? Um, so that would be interesting. Who would you? Who was the other club you were going to mention as one overdoing the Prem? I mean, just to see Ipswich in the Premier League would be would be great because of the the rise over recent years. Having Portman Road back in the Premier League would be would be nice to see as well. I know it's been over twenty three years since they were last in the Premier League, but that that season they finished fifth. I'm probably, probably too young to vividly remember it, but. They had some cool hero players like uh, Martin Royce coming in. I think it's Martin Royce. I know it's definitely Royce, but he it coming in. Yeah, some real cool players coming in um, and making a difference. And that's what you get when you get a team who are a town, not a, not a big city like some clubs. You know, it's a, it's not it's not a, a big town by any means. But you get you get these clubs that come in to the Premier League, ruffle, ruffle some feathers, um, and create some you know some unique moments like Luton are doing, uh, and like uh, Huddersfield have done in the past. I think that's what you really want to see. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been banging their drum all season once I saw them to see Ipswich in the Premier League. Um, and I think just for the town itself, because, you know, Ipswich, have, they haven't had many good moments to talk about in many, in a couple of decades now. So that would just be absolutely huge for them to get back into the Premier League. And lest we forget, they are a massive club as well. Yeah. People Big may history. not remember it now because they've been out of the Premier League for so long. But in terms of history and what they've done, they are a yeah. huge club. Just then, let's take a quick break. After that, we'll talk about, oh God, parachute payments and also our ideal championship five-a-side team. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. This is a Q&A. These are the best questions which we had from our listeners on X, formerly known as Twitter. Uh, and here's one which we seem to get in just about every other Q&A, Justin. But I think it's always worth touching upon, isn't it, to update listeners on our views on it. This is from Daniel Muir. What's your take on parachute payments? You, you've long been outspoken on them, haven't you? Yeah, I, I don't know if, um, I mean, I should listen back to, to when these come up. And to see if my opinion truly changes. But I think this season is a good example of why parachute payments are an issue. Mainly because you've got the three most expensive squads, highest wage bills, biggest budgets. They're dominating the league by record-breaking points. And that's where parachute payments do become an issue because they distort the quality that's coming down into the championship. And ultimately probably create that big gap in, in quality between the championship and the Premier League that everyone seems to bring up and have an issue with um, and I think the, the, the sort of angle I want to go about it now is because I've said a lot about it is do they actually help clubs because if you don't manage to go back up first time of asking you're left with a reduced income because your parachute payments drop but the same wage bill because it's hard to shift players who are ultimately expensive we're seeing it with West Brom Norwich Watford it's very difficult to do that I understand why parachute payments are a thing. I understand why they're there. At the same time, should restrictions be placed on clubs coming down? Would a wage cap actually help balance out the quality? I know it's a bit of a an interesting debate because the clubs coming down with parachute payments, coming into a, a league with a wage cap, will be forced to move players on, put uh, put um, into contracts that their wages will reduce significantly as a result of relegation. So it becomes a little bit more balanced. I'm not saying that's the solution, but there is sound logic to it and. It's an it's it's just it's an interesting thing to bring into that debate because as this we're saying we're seeing Leicester Southampton Leeds run away with it. Yeah, well, I mean, this season has shown why parachute payments are completely and utterly pointless because hmm. something we've particularly seen this season is relegated sides have essentially their own parachute payments in the form of selling players because Leicester got around eighty million from selling James Madison and Harvey Barnes. Southampton got nearly 150 million for just five players. And Leeds were a bit of an outlier here because they had to loan their players out because of a stupid contract clause. But the point remains. And this will be a thing that happens every season now because of the modern transfer market. So these clubs don't need the parachute payments. And at this point, it's just essentially free money. They no longer have a purpose. And that's why they just have to be eradicated as soon as as possible and looking ahead to the future if, if you're a relegated club and aren't instantly in contention for promotion then it's because one of two things will have happened you've either done catastrophically bad in the Premier League CC Sheffield United this season mm. or you made a series of bad decisions after getting relegated CC Norwich and Watford last season yeah. so that's that's why they just need to be eradicated i don't think they're actually giving relegated clubs much of an advantage anymore it's just essentially taking away money which could be used elsewhere and giving it to clubs who just don't really need it 
So it's just a bit stupid. It's a, it's a second chance, isn't it, for clubs who have ultimately not been a success, which you can argue that the championship clubs that are, or, or clubs in, in the EFL in general, actually, they're suffering because of it. Because I say they're not getting a fair a fair whack at going back in, into the Premier League to to get a slice of the pie. Um, I think that's where it probably frustrates me a little bit as as a supporter of a, of a club who are wallowing in, in, in the third tier at the moment. So I think, yeah, it's, 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 it's one of those where I sort of understand why they're a thing, but it's an outdated system that needs to be updated yeah. to align itself with the vast riches that come into the Premier League. And ultimately, I think if you create a better level, uh, well, more of a uh, level playing field with finances, the product at the very top, i.e. the Premier League, Will improve as well, yeah. and I think that's 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 the angle. I think the big wigs have got to take with it, rather than you know being greedy, being greedy fat pigs with all with all the cash. Yeah, those dirty, dirty pigs. But this is it ties in, doesn't it, to the Premier League package, which has been negotiated now for many years, but just doesn't seem to be actually any closer to being sorted out. Where the Premier League will agree to give a load of money to the EFL and then it makes it more of a level playing field. But that doesn't seem like it's going to happen any soon, which is worrying. But with regards to parachute payments, they had a point 10 or so years ago, now completely inane, aren't they? And let's move on to this one, Justin, which is a bit more of a cheerful one. Reese Curtis asks, who would make your all-time championship five-a-side team? Justin, do you want to give us your... I was going to say 11, but five um, first and then go explain why you picked them. Absolutely. So I've gone with Lee Camp, Luke Ayling, Barry Bannon. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> I was Industry. not expecting that. Sorry, you really caught me off guard there by going Lee Camp as your first oh, one. Yes. <laughs> Lee Camp, Luke Ayling, Barry Bannon, Tom Ince and Nathan Ellington. Oh my so God. That there's a, is there's a, there's a big mix absolutely there. appalling. <laughs> Whoa, how? How? You could pick any players who've ever played in the championship. And you, you've gone very much mediocrity there, Justin. No, no, no. I've gone with... These players have got longevity, by the way, in the second tier. They've played a lot of championship games. So if I'm going for an all-time championship team, these players are in there for a reason. They've played a lot of games at championship level, so they're good enough. I don't want players who have played a season in championship and been a success in the Premier League... This team is going to want to play for me. They're going to... No, no, no. In a five-a-side context, they're going to turn up every Wednesday night. They're not going to send me a text saying, oh, I've got to stay late at work, can't come, mate. <laughs> These lads are turning up, all right? Everyone knows the issues with forming a five-a-side team and why they only last four weeks. These boys are playing for me. Okay, okay. Um, not something I considered, admittedly. <laughs> um, I've gone for a bit, a, a bit of a change of pace. I've gone with Kasper Schmeichel in goal. Calvin Phillips, Jack Grealish, Adele Tarrapt, and Saeed Benrahma. So my thinking with this is that... My, my team will kick the shit out of yours. Sorry, Crow. Well, they can do, but they won't get near any of them. Um, my thinking with this is that the players who excel the most at five-a-side are your tricky dribblers, aren't you? Hence why I've gone Grealish, Tarrapt, Benrahma. I mean, I'm surprised Tarrapt didn't even make your team, Justin, because he just seemed like a... He's not turning up. Okay. He's not turning up. <laughs> He's not coming. He'll come for a week, dazzle us, and he's point. not coming. That 10 that ten p.m. kickoff, not a chance. Yeah, I'm not sure Grealish will turn up either. He'll probably be in Vegas or something like that, won't he? But I was thinking Grealish, Trapped and Ben Rahman, they're just kind of five-a-side players, really, aren't they? They 
if they do turn up, will be unbelievable. Phillips, I was thinking, I don't really want a centre-back because I want someone who can play the ball, but he's also really good defensively. Hence why I've gone Calvin Phillips. And then Cash Michael's Cash Michael. He will turn up. Calvin Phillips probably will turn up. The other three, now that you mention it, I'm not sure mm. they would. <laughs> yeah, you've got three. Maybe Ben Rama. Maybe Ben Rama because he, he's, he's cut from a different cloth to that of Ben uh, Terapt. And uh, who was the other one? Grealish. Grealish, yeah. Um, yeah, those so two. I think, may, yeah. Those two, I'm definitely worried about. Ben Rama is fifty-fifty, I suppose, isn't he? Don't get me wrong. You've got one of those five-a-side teams that's gonna that's gonna win twelve-one one week, but they're gonna get hammered because they've got three players and they've got two ringers from another team the next week. Mm. Whereas with me, I've got Lee Camp and Luke Ayling. They are championship stalwarts. They're gonna give me any, every absolutely everything. And Lee Camp is actually technically very gifted, actually. Um if you've ever seen him like warming warming up, he's got some skills. So he's good with the ball at his feet. Luke Ayling, I've got the industry in there. And he's played he's played murder ball as well, by the way. So he's kicking shins at five aside. But murder ball under the under Bielsa. Barry Bannon, I've got an angry Scotsman there in central midfield who is very technically gifted. He's gonna he's gonna dictate play. Tom Mintz is Tom Mintz. Everyone knows. If anyone, if anyone's a long-time listener, they know I'm going to pick Tom Mintz. Tom Mintz is probably going to be the name of my first child, whether it's a boy or a girl anyway. God, so there's that. Just and Nathan, just Nathan, Nathan Ellington, okay. hybrid number nine, best striker there ever was up until 2006. <laughs> Two years into the championship. <laughs> Unbelievable. And the final question that we'll do today, Justin, is from Will Smith, not that one. Who would win in a race? Deep Dale Duck, or Boilerman? If it's a race, Deep Dale Duck, because Boilerman's a boiler. He's heavy. Yeah, I, I, I'm guessing also the Duck will have more legroom because from memory, the Boilerman, can, he, he's literally just relying on his legs below his knees, isn't he? Whereas Deep Dale yeah. Duck can actually get his legs up. But it is a fair setting uh, because neither are in their comfort zone. Because boilers, they love to hang on walls. They don't do any running, really. Are you aware and that ducks... the boiler and the duck aren't actually real? I'm, I'm sorry, are we discussing them as humans in, ma- in, in costumes? That's what Spoiler I was alert. doing. Oh, okay, right. I was, I was speaking them like Because literally. otherwise, I think there's only one runner between a duck and a boiler. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's going to be a duck, isn't it? But that being said, boilers have got afterburners. You never know. They could fly if they you know, leak or something. Maybe. Maybe. That's a good point. Anyway, that's enough of the q and I'm sure we'll do one again sooner rather than later. We do want to do them more, don't we, Justin? So uh, we will, I'm sure, you, if you didn't get your question read out on this occasion, we will do another one sooner rather than later. I can promise you that, ladies and gentlemen. Let's quickly go through the news, Justin. And the Daily Mail is reporting Yondol Thomason is set to leave Blackburn. He's been very outspoken about how unhappy he is about the way the club is being run after the transfer budget was cut last summer and a disappointing January window in many ways, amongst other things. Now, local reports say that's not the case and he's not set to leave, but he could go before their game this weekend. Has anyone suggested he did resign but only saved his resignation letter instead of submitting it i'm not too sure but justin he's not been a happy man has he so it wouldn't be a surprise if he's had enough would it i don't blame him he's been he's had it had it quite bad i think over the last sort of six months obviously there's been cash flow issues with blackburn there's been player recruitment issues you got nile ennis who was signed in the summer and he's he's gone already to to stoke in in the winter window just to highlight how sort of 
disorganised. I think the recruitment has been. They've lost quality players in Ben Barrett and Diaz. Adam, Adam Wharton's been sold. So ultimately, if you're Yondal Thomason, you're, you're thinking, well, you're not really backing me. You're not really giving me the tools to really get me going with my job. So what's the point of me staying? And then that's before you've even considered all of the outside factors. He offered to leave in the summer for free as well. The club said no, and he stayed. So it's just not a happy camp. It's a club that's in complete disarray. So as Yondal Thomason, you're probably going to want to walk before... I don't know, the boat sets fire, sinks, the boat sinks, boats don't set fire before the boat sinks. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're right. He has been dealt a bit of a shit sandwich and, you know, that's over the last two transfer windows, including in the one that's just gone, where they sold Adam, Wharf, Adam Wharton for 20-odd million, not had a whole lot coming the other way, and that's before you even get onto the Duncan Maguire fiasco. Mm. But despite that, I think he's got to take some of the blame for how things are going, because... They were seventh at the start of December. Now, they've won five points from an available 33 and are looking over their shoulder at the bottom three. So, yes, Blackburn are a bit of a shit show right now, but he's not completely blameless here because defensively, they've been in utter shambles all season to the point where you stand there and say, what the hell have you been doing on the training ground Mm. all week? And yes, they have lost players as the season's gone on, but this is still by and large the same squad which he had at his disposal last season when they finished just outside of the top six. So Thomason can cry all he wants about the incompetency incompetency behind the scenes. But he's got to take some of the blame as well, in my view, Justin. Would you agree? Yes and no. Okay, results-wise, it's not been good enough. Defensively, it's not been good enough. But look, these, these issues have been brewing for a long, long time. And it's clear that the, the squad wasn't capable enough because of the recruitment in the summer. It's a young squad. It's one of the youngest in the league, if not the youngest in the league, in terms of their average age. Thompson's had to bleed a number of youngsters and he's put a lot of responsibility on the shoulders of like, like Adam Wharton in central midfield. Um, they've relied heavily on loans as well. And I think the quality of loan players that have come in haven't been quite good enough. They lost James Hill um, to, to, to Bournemouth recalling him as well. So, He's got a lot of factors that he's got to contend with. And I think as a manager, you've got to really, a manager's being sacked or leaving, you've got to really understand the context. So I think if it's an unhappy camp and you've got an unhappy manager, performance-wise, it's not going to be ideal. It's not going to be great. So I think that's where I, I stand. I think but, that but just, the club... But Justin, that, if I could jump in there a second, admittedly, unhappy camp and what have you, and there's a lot going on behind the scenes, but we were just discussing earlier, people like Carlos Gorbran, it's not necessarily a happy camp behind true. the scenes there. And they're still going fine. So surely it's down to the manager to make sure that they're shielded away from the unhappiness behind the scenes. No, I understand that. And I guess you can you can say that um, Thomason can take some of the blame there. But at the end of the day, he's, he's a, probably a completely different mindset to, to that of Carlos Corbran. And also, he's, I don't think he's had the same level of experience in that situation as someone like Carlos Corbran. And it depends what you've been sold as well. Carlos Colbrand knew what he was getting at West Brom because these issues have been ongoing for a long, long time. Thomason probably was unaware of the incompetency and and, and cash flow problems of, of the ownership. So he was completely probably unaware, unaware of that. And as I say, you, you, you've got to be incompetent to have you know, messed up signings on transfer deadline on, on, in three different windows. Obviously, Lewis O'Brien last season, um, last January, Ethan Briley in the summer, and then... Duncan Maguire this 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 January. So I'm not surprised he's pissed off. I'm not surprised he's angry. And I'm not surprised the football's not been great because it, it reflects it reflects the club as opposed to Thompson for me. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, it's, it will be interesting to see what happens over the coming days and whether he does go before that huge, huge Stoke game yeah. this weekend. I mean, from a Thomason's perspective, I'm sure he'll land on his feet and just be just fine and get a job elsewhere pretty quickly. I mean, he's been linked with the Sweden job in the past couple of months or so, hasn't he? And back in the summer, you may remember, he was getting linked with a final job if um, yeah. the, the manager there slot went to Tottenham or something along those lines. So he is very highly rated. I'm not sure the job that he's done at Blackburn necessarily reflects a manager who deserves being so highly rated. But, you know, it, it will just be very, very interesting to see how yeah. this all pans out over the coming days. And I mean, if, if he does end up staying, how the season does pan out with him still in charge, but with Blackburn being such a mess off the scene. I was, yeah, I was going to say, how much, how much of a blow would it be to Blackburn the players to lose their figurehead and the supporters to lose their figurehead right before what I think is a, is a bit of a six-pointer relegation battle because, you know, if teams below them win, it just pulls one of those sides in, whoever loses, inch it further down into that table. So how much of a blow would that be to lose Thomason on the eve of one of the biggest games of the season? Well, if only we had a preview show, Justin, where we can talk about that at length. That's coming out tomorrow. Um, <laughs> sticking with Blackburn for a sec, the move for Duncan Maguire is on the brink of collapse. So for those who aren't across what's happened here, Blackburn tried to sign the American striker from Orlando City on deadline day. The deal was off and on throughout the day, even to the point where he was told the deal was off mid-flight on his way to the UK. But anyway, they eventually announced a loan deal on deadline day. However, there were reports over the weekend that the deal hadn't actually gone through in time. And now Blackburn have confirmed that, saying it was an administrative error. The EFL haven't approved the deal and Blackburn have appealed. But a final decision is set to be made by the EFL today on Thursday. According to The Athletic, the reason the deal didn't go through is because Blackburn thought they clicked submit paperwork, but they had actually only clicked save. It's... <laughs> it's so stupid justin we we can laugh we can laugh but let's have some compassion for blackburn fans it is funny from the outside but blackburn are a mess so let's have some degree of yeah compassion and empathy because the club's in disarray that being said this is really funny it's it happened to me. It happened to me at university. My final year, I clicked save on oh, the eve no. of a deadline and I didn't submit it. Luckily, oh, no. luckily, this might help Blackburn fans get through it if things go their way. Luckily, my tutor said, don't worry about it. It's fine. We, we've got your submission date. Yeah. Oh, we've got your save date. It's fine. So maybe someone at the EFL might take some, um, you know, some interest and some compassion from that perspective. I'm Probably not, sure not they because they're a bit harsh. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm but not sure hope. they will, but maybe they'll make an appeal and say, I'd like to point you to the case of Justin Peach at university. Mm. And and they let him go We've through with that. It. Yeah, exactly. We've all done it. Exactly. We've all been there. Um, well, Blackburn have said if the appeal is rejected, they'll look to sign Maguire on a pre-contract agreement so he can join in the summer. Will he accept it, though? Will he accept it, Justin? Fuck that. Fuck that. <laughs> you've taken me... If I'm talking Maguire, you've taken me away from my holiday. You've cancelled <laughs> You've cancelled a deal mid-flight. You've made me stay in and around. I, like the weather's been not too cold, actually. It's been all right since last week. Um but I can imagine it's not as nice as Cancun in Mexico, which is where he was. Mm. Um, 
and he, he could have been happily settled or getting settled at Sheffield Wednesday by now. Um, but here he is in, in limbo, no idea what he's doing, where he's going, if his deal will go through, no idea what his future looks like. And all he wants to do is just have a couple of margaritas on the white sands of Cancun. And yeah. it's not. Yeah. Because of because of because of someone who's a muppet. Yeah. Well, he's got Blackpool, so that's a good alternative, I suppose. <laughs> but yeah, you, you've got to feel sorry for him. He's really been through the ringer over the past week and a bit, hasn't he? Um, we'll finish off with this bit of news. Justin QPR have signed former Ajax midfielder Lucas Anderson. The Denmark international was a free agent after leaving Allborg. Don't know much about him, Justin. All I know is I used to manage him on Football Manager when he was at Ajax. He was only a young lad, but has loads of potential. He was actually very, very good. Yeah, I, I uh, agree with you. It was one of those FM signings that you do always make. Mm. Uh, I know he's a technically gifted player, um, but if he's if he's one of those failed FM wonder kids, and he probably falls into that category a little bit, it'll be interesting to see how he does at QPR. Um, because as I say, his career's not taken off like it should have if you are to to believe FM's trajectory of some players. He is 29. And that he, scares me. Well, there's that. Um, and he has been a free agent. So, you know, it's maybe not gone as well as FM predicted anyway. Um, but I always enjoyed managing him as, as, as IX manager. He was, always came out pretty good for me. He was uh, very reliable. Did you manage many foreign sides on Football Manager? No, I was always, I was mainly always English-based sides. I was on a couple of saves really? with Dortmund, but really my, my, my adventurous side has waned a little bit. I've become a little bit too Brexit with my picks. I want to get direct. I want to get a bit, a bit dirty with the, with mm. the style of play. Um, Once you, and I think that's what it. No, exactly. It might help things. It might help things improve things. Get, get some, uh, you know. Some, some exciting games going on, but ultimately my style of play doesn't suit Europe. Yeah. Well, I always liked the idea of, you know, getting Ajax back to their former glory as one of the, you know, properly elite clubs in Europe. And it was always really handy because obviously they've got the Ajax Academy. So you just constantly had wonder kids flying through. It was great. Um, my last save that I had with a foreign club was, and I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, IF Bromabakana in Sweden, um, which I believe is the club which produced Victor Jokeres to bring it round back to mm. the championship. And that was a really fun save. So taking them from Sweden's third tier and then building them up to the point where we actually got to the Champions League. Didn't do very well in the Champions League. We got absolutely battered. But we got there and that, that was fun. Were you more of a Poya Asbargi or a, or a Marty Sifuentes in terms of output? I would say Sifuentes. I think. Of course um, you would. Of course yeah. you would. You've got the ego. Well, I I was very much of the idea of, you know, play nice football and then, you know, bring players in who are young, sell them on later on. It was great. It was really fun. I highly um, recommend I'm it, happy. actually, Justin. I think you should go for more, you know, foreign jobs as opposed to, you know, managing Derby for the 20th time in a row. <laughs> listen, listen, I've transformed a city. So okay. that's what I'm going to, that's all I'm going to say. I've transformed a city. I've inspired people. Um, and yeah, that's all I'm going to say. Well, that's good to hear. If you ever have the chance, IF Bromrikana in Sweden, it's the way to go. Please let me know if I've uh, pronounced that horribly wrong, anyone who's based in Sweden. And how did we get onto this? Are we still doing a podcast? Anyway, this has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again tomorrow with our preview show, looking ahead to all the big games in the Championship this weekend, making some predictions. So we look forward to seeing you then. But this has been the Second Tier Podcast. 
I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. And a big thank you for listening. Second Tier is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.